Hey there, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Bible and Life podcast. My name is John Whitaker. I am the host and creator of the Bible and Life. I'm grateful for each and every one of you that is part of the Bible and Life family that includes this podcast, Bible and Life podcast, as well as the listener's commentary, uh, where I teach straight through books of the Bible, helping you dig in and learn the Bible so that you can actually live it out as well as just other resources that I keep putting out, uh, whether it's articles for Renew.org or uh, various things that I'm working on. So thanks a ton for being here. Grateful for you. The Bible in Life is a listener-supported, crowdfunded Bible teaching ministry that's only possible because of the generosity of, of tons of people just like you. So to those of you who support this ministry and uh, make it possible, uh, through whom your gifts God is... Uh, bearing good fruit throughout the world. Just thanks a ton for supporting this work. And if you have been blessed or impacted by this podcast, the listener's commentary, the whole Bible and life ministry, if you've been impacted by that, would you prayerfully consider joining the team of supporters so that this ministry can continue to grow, continue to expand, reach more people, have a bigger impact, and God can use it to continue to bear good fruit in the lives of people. You can join the team of supporters by going to johnwhitaker.net, clicking the give button. It'll redirect you to a my page on World Family Missions website, an umbrella organization that receives donations on my behalf and then uh, grants those donations my way each month. So once again, let me just say thanks a ton for your support. All right. On last week's episode, we mentioned that I'm working on this project involving politics and the Bible and history, really trying to provide with my friend Daniel McCoy a a guide for disciples to engage in the political process, particularly here in the United States of America, but the principles uh, pertain whatever country you live in, to provide a resource that can help us actually not just survive a political season, but act like genuine disciples in the midst of a very contentious national political season or whatever the situation may be. The fact is, um, that in my country, we're entering into another election year. And uh, it seems like from my vantage point, we as followers of Jesus did not do very well in the last election year. Uh, American politics is a bit of a mess. And uh, Daniel actually reached out to me and said, hey, I want to write this book. I like to write a book like this with somebody. Would you be willing to join me? So we talked for a couple hours on the phone about uh, kind of the vision for the book. He asked me some questions about some of my thoughts on the, the subject and uh, pitched the idea. And so we're working on this book that hopefully will, will be completed in the next uh, couple months, available uh, that's going to hopefully provide just some helpful uh, guidelines and guardrails for how to enter into uh, a political season as a disciple of Jesus. And so I just thought it would be helpful for me as I'm working on my chapters in this book, as well as I thought it might be helpful to you as well uh, to just share some of what I'm thinking through out loud with you on the podcast. And I wanted to begin that with a chapter just on the purpose of human government. What is the purpose of government? Um, and thinking about that particularly from the vantage point of the Bible and what the Bible teaches and our role as disciples of Jesus in this world. There's going to be a lot more we can say about this in the coming weeks. So let me just briefly on this episode reflect on some of my thoughts as I look at the Bible on this question. What is the purpose of government? And what I see in the scripture is, is that the Bible is a bit conflicted about human government. Um, in an ideal world, 
there, there would be God as king. And he would reign over all, and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the vision of the Bible. That's the way the Bible started in the book of Genesis. Uh, that's the prayer Jesus taught us to pray, right? That your will be de- your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if that were the case, humans, right, in an ideal world, would live in loyal partnership with God. They would serve with him as his viceroys over this world, extending his rule, extending his aims, his agendas on earth. And that was God's plan from the very beginning. The problem is, if you know the biblical story, right? The problem is we don't live in an ideal world. We live outside of Eden. We live after Genesis 3, after the fall. And the world isn't all it's cracked up to be, all God designed it to be. In fact, I think it's fair to say that most people don't submit to God's kingship. And there are many who even would say they submit to God's kingship, but the way they conduct their life and the way uh, they go about business and everything else and politics and what have you doesn't in any way seem to embody God's agenda, God's aims, God's character, God's will. And even those who do genuinely submit to God's kingship, we do so incompletely and imperfectly. And that really seems to be, in the story of the Bible, that seems to be where government comes in. We don't live in an ideal world. Humans don't submit to God's kingship very well, or not at all. And thus, there needs to be some sort of governing authorities to keep the chaos that would ensue from human living and human self-centeredness and human self-will, there needs to be some sort of authority to keep all that in check. Like human beings, by their very nature, we are actually creatures designed to operate under authority. That's part of what it means to be human. This is something I used to teach my kids all the time when they were little and they were growing up, is that you're always going to be under authority. You're designed to operate under authority. So you work best when you operate under good, wise authority, particularly God's authority, right? We're always under that. Uh, We're never going to be without authority. Um, And Yet, since we're fallen human beings, uh, we don't do authority well. We tend to be self-willed. We tend to be rebellious. And so human government is necessary to manage and mitigate the chaos that ensues when humans are left to their own devices. And so the Bible acknowledges the reality of human government, even the need for human government. Um, the, The Bible acknowledges that governing authorities are from God. Romans 13.1 specifically says that. Uh, Submit to the governing authorities, Romans 13.1 says, because all authority is from God and there's no authority that exists that's not from God. So authority in general, as well as governing authorities in particular, they were God's idea. He recognized the need for, um, for politics in short. He recognized the need for it in a world uh, like ours, uh, I, I suspect perhaps as the human family even grew, there would need to be some sort of way of managing and organizing life with various lines of communication and channels of authority. I suspect, I don't know for sure, uh, even under God's kingship, that, that's probably the case. But c- certainly now in the world we live in, um, human government is God's idea. Human authority is God's idea. And so the Bible acknowledges that. And yet, 
At the same time, the Bible also admits that human authority and human government tends towards overreach, tends towards self-enlargement, tends towards like uh, advancing its own aims and being very self-serving. It acknowledges that human government often contributes to, um, maybe even sometimes leads to, injustice. So the Bible has this very conflicted view of government. Like, it's needed. It's necessary. Uh, there needs to be some authority, particularly in a fallen world like ours. And yet, that authority tends to get bigger than its britches and not necessarily always do what's right and do good for humanity in general. For example, you see this when uh, Israel insisted on having a king like all the other nations around them. This is in 1 Samuel, right? And Israel insisted on having a king like all the other nations. God consented to their demand, but then at the same time warned them, okay, you want a king? You can have a king, but just know it's going to get to be messy. Um, the king is going to conscript your sons for war. The king is going to require um, your your sons and your daughters to work for him, working in your fields, uh, working in their businesses, uh, working in, as servants in their household. Um, the king is probably going to take bribes uh, in court so that he can render verdicts that favor him and the people he wants in charge or in power, the people who have money. And so there's going to be unjust verdicts. There's going to be war and pillaging and all the horrors that are associated with that, it says. Um, and the kings are going to come and they're going to take people into exile. So you want government, you want a king, you can have it. Just know it's not going to be a pretty picture. Uh, with time and the way it's going to actually develop. So clearly, human government isn't all it's supposed to be, right? Or you see this in the prophets, where the prophets regularly um, call Israel to account or call Judah to account or even call the surrounding nations, the nations around Israel and Judah, to account, like pagan nations, and God still holds them accountable. Yes, they don't have all the uh, special revelation of God in the Torah. They don't have that, but there's some things they should just know are wrong, and they're still doing them. And so even the nations are called to account for their injustices. He talks about how um, at the expense of the poor and at the expense of the average person, they build pal palatial estates and mansions. Uh, they take bribes in court and render unjust verdicts. Um, all those sorts of things um, they're called to account for in the prophets. And so again, clearly human government isn't all it's supposed to be. It might be necessary, but it's not always good. Now, the, the answer the Bible gives to that situation is not, so let's just get rid of government, right? A little bit of, you know, anarchy maybe, right? Like, let's just get rid of the government. Just everyone do your own thing. No, the Bible recognizes that's even worse. That's chaos. I think we know that, right? Just look at, like, say, for example, what happened in New Orleans in the wake of Hurricane Katrina in my country, right? Like, when, when all of a sudden all systems went down and all resources were tapped out, what happened? There was just all sorts of just craziness among people that humans, when left to their own devices, can get really nasty and really ugly and really self-willed. So the Bible doesn't say, since human government tends to be bad and tends to, you know, enlarge itself and serve itself, right? So let's just get rid of government. It doesn't say that. What does it say? 
Well, it says, well, there, there still has to be government. There still needs to be authority. There still needs to be some way of organizing things. Um, but it, we need to aim for righteousness and justice. That's the Bible's answer is, okay, government is bad, but we can't get rid of it. So we're going to hold them accountable and we're going to work for and call for um, righteousness and justice to be done by kings and rulers. And that is actually why the prophets call out kings, call out the government, call out even uh, foreign nations government. It's like it's calling out and pointing out that's unjust, that's unrighteous, that's bad rule. So it's highlighting injustice. It also very often um, highlights then here's what would be justice. Here's what you need to do. Stop doing this. Start doing that. And it gives us, in that sense, a picture of what righteous and just government looks like. Another thing the Bible does that is very helpful for us is it provides sort of a key central task that government is really supposed to be about. It is a very limited and focused task. Uh, it's the task that is like the one main purpose that all governments are fundamentally supposed to be about. So when we say, what's the purpose of the government? Well, the Bible actually has a very clear, limited, central idea of what that's about. If you read Romans 13, 1 through 7, what you'll see is Paul there is discipling the early Christians, and by extension us, regarding our understanding of the relationship to the government, like our basic posture towards the government, according to Paul, and according to really the whole New Testament, is one of submission. That's what Paul says in Romans 13. That's what we see in 1 Peter chapter 2. We see it in a, a number of places that as Christians, as followers of Jesus, our basic posture towards the government is to be one of arranging ourselves under their authority. After exhorting us to submit to the governing authorities there in Romans 13, one of the things Paul teaches us is that human authorities are, this is what Paul says, are servants of God. Servants of God. In fact, the word servants there, uh, in fact, he mentions it three times. He'll use that phrase, servants of God. Uh, he actually says if you're disobeying the government, you're actually disobeying the ordinance of God because it's his idea. That's why our basic posture is under. But the word for servant is diakonos, the same word that's used for deacons or ministers of the church in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And so the governing authorities um, are given by God. They're supposed to serve God. They don't always do that well. They don't always do it perfectly, but that's they're under his authority and accountable to him. And because Paul emphasizes that by repeating it so many times in these few verses, it reminds us how important this is for us. So we arrange ourselves under the governing authorities, recognizing that they exist on God's behalf. Um, so as servants of God, rulers, governors, emperors, presidents, prime ministers, whatever it is, right? All those who operate on the government's behalf, right? They have a very limited and specific task. Here's what Paul says in Romans uh, 13, 3 and 4. He says that the government exists to praise good behavior and to punish evil behavior. That's their primary job. They were given by God for one clear central task, to manage human affairs in such a way that 
and injustice, unrighteousness, things that aren't good and are bad for human well-being, bad behavior, that that gets punished and minimized and managed, and good behavior gets praised, reinforced, celebrated so that there's more and more of that. That's what the government fundamentally is supposed to do. In fact, the Apostle Peter agrees with Paul on this. He puts it very succinctly. He says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 14, that the main job of those in authority is, here's Peter's words, the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. That's their job. That's the fundamental, everything that the government uh, is, is, is doing or is supposed to do should have that objective in mind. This actually tells us that the Bible has a very limited uh, vision of the purpose of human government. It has one main job to do. And when it starts uh, it, you know, growing and getting bigger and doing all this, as the Bible recognizes, it's actually going beyond what God appointed it to do. And so as you look through the scriptures and you look at history and you look at human governments, um, there's just a handful of problems with the way things operate. Let me just highlight three of them. One problem is this. We actually see this problem in the warning to Israel that I mentioned earlier in the podcast, and that's this. Human government tends towards expansion. It keeps grabbing for more. It keeps putting its hands in more things, right? Taking more resources until it begins to snowball out of control. That's a problem in view of its limited purpose that God gives it. Another problem that I think we see is that the world, as noted already, is not an ideal place. Most humans, that means most humans in positions of authority, don't submit to God's kingship. So they, they are supposed to be uh, servants of God, but they don't know God. They don't care about God. They don't submit to God. And so God's, this is really important, so God's definitions of righteousness and justice go unheeded, or are convoluted, all mixed up, right? So praising at right and punishing wrong, that gets very hard to do when you no longer know what right is and what wrong is. So humans, in view of their rebellion against God, uh, are a very confused people, and that includes the governing authorities. A third problem I see with this very limited view of uh, the job of government is this. Because the world is now, once again, less than an ideal place, humans themselves are a bit of a muddled mix of bad and good. And that means the people in the government are neither all bad nor all good. And that means you, you simply can't identify the good guys and the bad guys with easy political labels. I think that becomes very difficult in our political situation. Nevertheless, here's what I would say, that in spite of all the difficulties, maybe the confusions and sometimes the ambiguities, uh, sometimes the, the difficulties of sorting things out, in spite of all of that, keeping our eye on the main thing that God appointed the government to do, it does serve as a bit of a filter, right? It helps us filter out the spin. It helps us filter out the noise. And it does help bring, I think, a lot of clarity to what we should expect the government to do. There's a lot of things the government shouldn't be doing that they got their hands in. And once the government gets its hands into things, it's very hard to get their hands off of those things. Let's just acknowledge that, all right? But if we just acknowledge the main thing it's supposed to do is praise good and right behavior and punish evildoers, 
can we at least say that brings some clarity? And can we use that as a grid and a filter for saying, okay, so um, when it comes to voting, when it comes to uh, supporting, um, what are some policies that uh, are in favor of praising the good and punishing the wrong? What are some ones that are opposed to that? Which, which, are, which are some policies that actually celebrate evil or promote evil? And let's make sure as followers of Jesus that we're defining evil and good, right and wrong, that we're defining those according to God's terms. Not what we feel like, not what seems best to us, right? Let's just be really clear that we're letting God define what is just, what is right, what is good, and then let's use that as a filter to try to sort out, okay, so how can we how can we actually encourage and promote a more just and righteous government? All right, well, that's some of my initial thoughts on this one particular question. What is the purpose of human government? Still thinking through all the ways I want to articulate some of those thoughts. So I would love any feedback you have for me or any questions you have or anything you think this was helpful or that wasn't helpful or maybe a thought you have, feel free to uh, email it to me at john at johnwhitaker.net. Love to hear your thoughts. So uh, may God bless you as you seek to follow him in this less than ideal world where things get muddy. Uh, Let's seek to follow him and do our best to promote justice and righteousness uh, in our world, in our government, in our countries, in our communities. May God bless you as you seek and serve him. I look forward to talking with you again next week.